everyone, this is episode 711 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, February 13th. That's right, it's Friday the 13th, 2020. I'm your host, Marcus Ness, and today I got some games to talk about. Of course, there is a fair amount of news. I won't touch upon all of it, but with the coronavirus, which I won't get into, we saw the cancellation of E3 which leaves a lot of people wondering what is going to become of E3. Will it be back in 2021? Who knows? Will everyone realize that they don't really need E3? Will E3 become more of a event by name? A, a, a moment during the year where the companies come together to not so much celebrate the industry, but really amp it up? but not have, well, I guess, you know, uh, in the way that Microsoft and EA have their own little things outside of E3, but in that same area that they could just do that and call it E3, the spiritual successor to E3, because they wouldn't be able to use the name, I would imagine, because that's probably owned by the ESA. Uh, who knows? It's sad because E3 was such a massive event growing up for me and and many people like me who are around my age. I don't know what the cutoff would be for when E3 stopped being such a big thing for the young folk, but for me it was a, a huge thing and seeing it diminish the way it has has been sad, but uh, yeah, um... Microsoft and Ubisoft have both said that they'll have some kind of digital event happening, online event happening, in lieu of the <laughs> the end of E3. I was gonna say the expiration of E3. But I was like, what am I? What am I on about the the cancellation of E3? Uh, and of course, GDC was postponed, but the wording left it in a weird way that just said, you know, we'll have some kind of thing in the future. So what that really means, who knows? But that is pretty much canceled, for better or worse. And yeah, we also saw Reggie, formerly of Nintendo, announced that he is joining, I believe, the board for GameStop or GameStop's parent company. I don't know if it's the, the former or the latter but that is a bit of weird news because I think I, along with everyone else, just thought he was leaving Nintendo to retire and be done with the industry and just occasionally chime in on Twitter to say something cheeky about this or that. But apparently, the the way I look at this and him joining the board and saying, you know, the, the industry needs a strong GameStop or whatever his exact words are. I look at this as him being, uh, in terms of him leaving Nintendo, saying Nintendo is in a very good place right now. They are very high. Uh, while PlayStation 100% won that generation, there's no question that the Switch didn't overtake everyone's you know, the minds for the the point at which it came out, 
to now. Of course, we had big releases on PlayStation that garnered attention, but I think ever since the Switch came out, the Switch has been the the darling in the grouping of the three main platforms. And I think Reggie was like, Nintendo's you know, in a really good place right now. I don't know what else I can do. And so he left, and then maybe he was planning to leave and just retire for real. And after a few months, he's like, I, I, I can't do this. I, I need to be doing stuff, and I want a challenge. And so he said, what is probably the biggest challenge out there that is in the gaming industry? I know GameStop. I'm going to try and keep GameStop from dying. If he does, then he is a miracle worker because I don't see how you can make GameStop relevant in this day and age. Uh, My experience at the stores has never been pleasant for a long time. The employees don't seem to care, and this is me going to a few uh, of the various stores. Some of them are very, to, to some degree, they're all very heavy in the nerd merchandise uh, and some are almost more than 50% Funko Pops and all that kind of crap which doesn't appeal to me at all I thought a while ago when I think it was GameStop that acquired Think Inc when that happened that it would make more sense to create Think Inc stores or mash them up with GameStop but that never really happened I don't even does Think Geek still exist anymore? I, I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I can't see GameStop surviving in, in any way, honestly. I think it's just going to go the way of Blockbuster and die maybe a slow death, but I think it will eventually die. And then we'll have our local game shops that sell new games, but predominantly focus on the classic games the games from previous generations and stuff like that and also probably focus or not focus but provide repairs for old consoles and whatnot but uh i think it comes at a bad time that some of the GameStop stores, I, I don't think all of them, but some of them have been playing around with having LANs set up or, or whatever so that people can play multiplayer games together in one space, which, of course, with the coronavirus, that's not really a... I don't want to say it's not a good look, but it's just it's not something that's going to get people to come to the stores because people don't want to go anywhere unless GameStop starts selling video game-themed Toilet paper, I think, you know, they need to rethink their strategy for the time being. But, uh, yeah, GameStop hasn't been relevant for me for years. And now that my Game Club, uh, Gamers Club Unlocked membership finally ended a few days ago or so, my, or the relevance in terms of gaming with Best Buy has dropped significantly and when I, I say significantly i mean i am no longer uh, i am not going to buy anywhere near as many physical games from best buy even though over the last year and change that really hasn't 
been something I, I've done frequently outside of Black Friday, which even when Gamers Club Unlocked was still active and even when I had it post it, its death, there's a lot of death on this show. It's, it's not it's not it's not good. Um, but even then, they wouldn't let you stack your Gamers Club Unlocked 20% discount with the Black Friday prices, which makes sense. But then it would work with Cyber Monday deals because I remember this past year, uh, 2019, there were a bunch of deals on Black Friday through, I think, the weekend. And then the deals continued into Cyber Monday or they just continued or even some of them got better. And the Gamers Club Unlocked did stack with those deals. And it was just really weird because I was able to get some pretty good deals. But outside of that, I don't really buy physical anymore. I am a big physical media person when it comes to movies and anime and comics. And I was from the or for the start of the Xbox One generation. And I still buy them when they're super cheap, just so I have a physical copy, even though with the way games are patched and everything, what's on a disc is rarely the game that is the game that currently exists out there. I think one case of that still being the truth is, I don't know if it's Wolfenstein, the new order or the old blood, but I think one of those, or maybe both of them, have never received a patch or an update. I could be very wrong, but I feel like that's the case. Because I I think somewhat recently, within a year, uh, let's say, I installed them with my disk, and there was no update. It wasn't like, we're downloading so-and-so much from the disk and downloading so-and-so much from the internet. It was just all coming uh, from the disk. And... Those games are pretty old, so if they recently got updated, that'd be surprising. But uh, yeah, I, I transitioned to digital s- purchases uh, in large part because I game share with my father. And so the only way that I could have one copy of the game or uh, pay for one copy of the game and share it with my father is to buy digitally, have his xbox set up as my home xbox so that my account doesn't need to be logged in to use those pieces of software and the only way to do that is with a digital purchase so that became a very strong reasoning for me to transition to digital and it is nice not having to take a disc out and and, you know put a disc in and all that kind of jazz but uh i still have a fair amount of Xbox One games and a shitload of 360s. Though I've purchased a lot of digital copies of 360 games uh, when backward compatibility became a thing as they put them on sale somewhat frequently. But uh yeah. That that was a, a, a long tangent about the death of GameStop and E3 and something else and I just rambled on and on without talking about all that much of interest. I'd say, was it, it wasn't interesting? You can tell me. You can tell me the truth. 
But uh, yeah, in addition to all that jazz, I did play some stuff. But before I get to the current things, what I did do, surprisingly, uh, I pulled out my Vita and the battery was still good. I, I can't remember the last time I charged it. it. It wasn't left on, so it wasn't left in standby mode. It was completely turned off. But I turned it on. The battery was fully charged. And I started playing Jetpack Joyride on it. Because I was just looking for something simple to do while I was using my exercise bike. And there was nothing on my Switch that I wanted to play in handheld mode. Really? So I was like... Why don't I check out my Vita and see how that baby's still doing? And after doing that, I realized I think I still find the Vita to be the perfect handheld device in terms of feel and, yeah, just just in terms of feel. It, It just feels right. The Switch is nice. I like it in handheld mode. It does its hybrid thing really well and and being a console you can hook up and play on the TV and then take on the go as a portable device. But it isn't super portable given how large it is. It's not something you can put in your pocket. You can put a Vita in your pocket. And there's just something about the denseness of the Vita that feels right. It just... It feels really good, and Jetpack Joyride is still a super fun game. I really, really like that game. I've gotten to a place now, looking at my Vita games, where I I want a PlayStation TV again, and I'm just shit out of luck because those things are not cheap, and I really don't want to pay a premium for that thing. So I don't imagine I'll ever end up with a PlayStation TV. I, I I would like to pay at max... But this would include shipping and tax and all that, 80 bucks. But I don't think it's possible to, to get one for under 100 at this point, for a while at this point. But uh, yeah, played some Vita. But I also played some new stuff like Arc Genesis, Hidden Through Time, Round Guard, House Flipper, Call of Duty Warzone, La Mulana, La Mulana 2, NMX Nitro, unleashed so i'm gonna start off with arc genesis arc genesis is the latest expansion to the arc survival evolved game and i've dabbled here and there with arc i enjoyed it but when it initially came out on xbox there was a horrible screen tearing so i had to just bow out because screen tearing is what gives me horrible headaches it, it is the Poor performance that affects me the most. Some people are more affected by uh, poor frame rates, or if you're looking at VR, the I don't know what it is, the vertical, the vertigo of it all, or just the speed of it all, uh, the uh, whatnot, blah 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 blah. And for me, screen tearing is is what bothers me the most. Uh, when a game performs poorly. And they fixed it somewhat in updates. And of course, when I got my X, it, it improved things. And that's not really a problem anymore. It, it does 
at least regarding Genesis, perform still poorly with detailed graphics on on the X. But um, I played a, a fair amount of Genesis Part 1. Part 2 is scheduled for like late, 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 the end of this year. Uh, if that still holds to, up to be the case with the coronavirus, delays are probably going to be potentially more frequent and and all that but um genesis is a weird addition to arc because it takes the core fundamentals of arc which are you know being dropped into this world uh and exploring it and discovering things uh, and and learning about what is going on in the world and removes that in favor of smaller biomes and a mission-based structure that just doesn't feel at home in the game, in the world, and is incredibly hard right off the bat. Because, And it's weird because the game, you would assume that oh, it's not going to be super challenging or it's something that only well-versed ARC players are going to dive into because who's going to by the the main game and then the DLC, which you can only get in the season pass for both parts, which I believe is forty dollars. It's either thirty-five or forty. It's thirty-five on Steam. I think it's forty on consoles. I'm playing on Xbox One, and the base game is, I believe, forty bucks. There's also the first season pass. I think was a, which is another forty bucks, maybe. Yeah, so the, there's a lot of money to be spent on this game if you've not already dipped your toes into it at all but with genesis you're starting a fresh new character and you start off in one of five biomes that range in difficulty and you have this little robotic buddy who is like the the robot in destiny or other similar, like the the Spark in Project Spark. And they talk a lot initially, and then they're just kind of there, but are otherwise useless. They are, allow you to transport between the biomes because these, these biomes are small little slices of varied... Um, environments of uh, 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 varied nature you know there's an ocean one there's a like lava one a swamp like one etc and when you reach the edge you know that, that's it you can't just transition to the next area you have to be transported there um, and then the missions are often simple things like hey go collect these flowers or these little sparkly bits or go kill these things but the the problem is you start off level one and the game is just full of cruel hostile creatures right off the bat you will probably die within the first minute and then you'll respawn and then you'll die again and then you'll respawn and die again and die again and die again that was my experience with it uh, initially until i changed the sliders and just made it so that I am very durable, enemies are not durable, and that made it, I guess, an enjoyable experience, but I felt like I was cheating it, uh, so I wasn't super happy about that, but 
when I first started playing it, an insect swarm came out of nowhere and just murdered me. They were like level 47 and I was level one and I just got destroyed. Then I went some other way and a boar that was like level 60 something just came out of nowhere and destroyed me. And then I respond again. I think I died within five seconds. There was just like a bug swarm that was immediately by the respawn point. And then I respond again. And I finally got to this mission starting point that I was trying to get to. But it was surrounded by a bunch of like velociraptors. And before I could even activate the mission, they all killed me. And I was just like, this is a horrible experience. This is... I, I like who thought this was a good idea to just fill this world with a bunch of hostile creatures and this was in the bog the easy the easiest of the biomes and then I transitioned before I even adjusted the sliders to the hardest one which was like the lava biome and I was able to not complete a mission but I was able to find one of these cracks or whatever in the world that you heal and they give you this currency that you use to purchase in-game stuff which is just a weird system it's just it it takes away the wonder and the discoverability and all that jazz that makes the arc main game so intriguing and interesting and something that is worth playing despite its still jankiness and and that's a bit frustrating. It looks really nice. The 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 variation between the biomes is great and I liked looking at these worlds. I'm like, "Oh my god. I want to be in this world." But then everything else in the world is like, "We don't want you in here. We're just going to fuck you up every time." But when I adjusted the sliders, I did some missions that were just kind of pretty boring. There was one that was like, "Okay, go collect four of these things in this area and then go collect four of them in this other area. And it's just, okay. So it's just a, a fetch quest, not super exciting. And then a shark killed me even so with all the sliders adjusted. And I was like, <laughs> all right, mission failed. Great. And then I went back to the bog biome and my respawn kept putting me super far away from any, uh, activatable, mission and that was frustrating but i was able to punch things to death there which is nice but even still if something attacked me that was super high level it was just going to be a nightmare so that was a very frustrating experience um yeah something i i can't it's like it's definitely not worth buying arc if you've never uh, purchased arc for this particular piece of DLC and if you have arc I feel like this doesn't give you what you probably love from arc it doesn't give you more of it or something it gives you something different but I don't think it's good different so yeah that's arc genesis I'll, I'll check out some more and then see if there's anything else worth mentioning about it but as it stands it was just a very frustrating experience then I played Hidden Through Time, which is a Where's Waldo West game where you have an area and, and they get progressively bigger as you move on through the story mode. 
And you have to find a bunch of hidden objects in these spaces. And they give you clues that are very helpful and are important. You you 100% need to look at the clues. You can choose not to if you want to make it more challenging, but it can get pretty frustrating if you just decide to look on your own because there, there's something about it that does like I want to say it's lacking charm because it is lacking charm, but I don't know if that would be the right thing to say is the reason for its occasional frustrations. It also seems like it's going to be pretty short and that the way to offset the shortness of the campaign, because there's no replayability in it. Once you find everything, you found everything. You can reset it and find everything again, but it's it's not going to be all that fun. The, the replayability or, or the longevity in the game comes through the map editor. You're able to create your own maps as well as play other people's maps. Of course, given some of the achievements for the game, there are a lot of just here, here's an achievement level with five things that you just click on that are right in the middle and you just click on them and then you're done. And I've used quite a few of those because I'm like, sure, I'll use these to get my achievement, but I give every single one of those levels a thumbs down, even though I'm using it for the the purpose of getting those achievements quickly. Uh, and when I play a regular level that is actually has some thought in it and it is clever and intricate and feels like someone genuinely genuinely put some work into it i'll give those a thumbs up um but yeah so far the the creative levels aren't the best even ones that look like i guess some people put work into you're like okay i i appreciate that you put the time into this but it's not that good uh, and the like, it, it's just, it's hard not to, especially when looking at the title. At first, I thought, oh, is this a sequel to Hidden Folk or Hidden Folks, which is a PC game that I don't think ever made an appearance on any of the consoles, which is another Where's Wallow game, but in black and white. It's like, this kind of looks like the aesthetic of it. And then when I went back to Hidden Folks, I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't look like that the, the the hidden folks style is much more unique and distinct and there's so much charm in the audio of hidden folks because it's basically i don't know if it's the designer just some friend or or, or, or whatnot who is doing all the noises so if, a, if a, you hear a car honking it is just this dude making a honking noise or you hear something screech it's just this person making a screeching noise and that adds a lot of charm to it whereas in Hidden through time, I feel like through all the levels, it's just the same music on repeat over and over and over again. And it's not, it got old real fast. It's not something that's like, oh, I could listen to this forever. It's like, nope, I've listened to this for 15 minutes. I'm already done with it. Uh, I do like the look of Hidden Folks overall, but when or I, <laughs> I love the look of Hidden Folks overall. I do like the look of Hidden Through Time overall, but it's hard not to compare it to Hidden Folks. And yeah, Hidden Folks is just a superior game. What what Hidden Through Time has going for it is that it's on consoles. So if you want a game like this on Xbox, PS4, Switch, 
then as far as I know, this is all you've got. Um, so yeah, if, if you're a fan of Where's Wallow games, it's worth checking out. But uh, it was a bit disappointing. Then Round Guard is the surprise of the week. It is a Peggle meets Slay the Spire game where you know, you're doing the Peggle thing of shooting what is essentially a ball at a bunch of pegs, watching the ball ricochet until it reaches the bottom and then hits something that could potentially save the said ball, which isn't really a ball. And the Slay the Spire comparison uh, comes in the fact that you are going through these dungeons room by room and you have some choice in which room you go to so that there'll be branching paths and they are broken up into acts and at the end of each act is a boss and it's just, it's it's super slay the spire in terms of the layout of the map you know whenever you transition to an area or look at the map it looks very much so like the map setup of slay the spire there's no way they can't say they weren't inspired by slay the spire to some extent you know i don't know when this game started uh, in production and I, I'm not sure exactly when Slay the Spire was in early access, but the comparisons are so just, they're so there, uh, which isn't a bad thing. It's just really kind of egregiously uh, Slay the Spire in those respects. But the way it works is that instead of a ball, you shoot your, you you, you choose one of three warriors, uh, heroes, whatever you want to call them, and then on each of these maps, you don't have a limited number of shots to complete your objective. You have a health bar. And there are enemies scattered throughout the area in place of pegs and whatnot. And then instead of other pegs, you'll have potions that'll heal you or restore your mana or pots that will give you gold. And when you hit an enemy, you'll do a certain number of damage based on your equipment uh, and potentially any special attack you may have used with your mana. And you will take a certain number of damage depending on the enemy. Some enemies will do more damage than others, of course. And depending on status effects, they may be angered and do double damage or, or one and a half damage, stuff like that. So you have to be aware of that. There are skills that allow you to regain health. And of course, like I said, uh, not that long ago, you can hit potions that'll regain your health. And the basic gist of it is that you're going through these levels. In order to complete them, you have to kill all the enemies in a level. But the way you're scored is through the gold you collect. So over the course of a run, so uh, unlike Peggle, which is level-based this is run-based you are going through the game you know area to area and when you die you start over from the beginning you lose all your equipment and all that and you start fresh so it's a roguelike peggle slay the spire ass game and it's it's pretty rad the thing that's weird is that you can't spend the gold on anything and i i guess that makes sense but it is a little weird to see your gold just keep getting higher and higher and having no way to spend that money and, and the logic i guess would be that you are going through this dungeon looting all these rooms and you're basically trying to see who 
you know, because there's their leaderboards, who can get the most loot before kicking the bucket in this game. And I really like it because I love Peggle. I can't remember the last time we had a Peggle-ass game because this is just straight Peggle. Um, and the one thing I'd say is not great about it that I am pretty turned off by is the art. I really don't like the art. But it is something I got used to pretty quickly because I just enjoyed playing it because the, the Peggle-ness of it is pretty solid. And if that sounds interesting, it's on everything, Xbox One, PS4, Switch, and PC. I play it on Xbox One, but this is definitely a game that I would look at and I'm like, well, this is, this is a Switch-ass game if I've ever seen one. Because you can play just one area, save and quit, and then come back later, just, you know, suspend the game, put the, the, the Switch in standby, and then return to it. Uh, it's... It's a solid little thing. I'm not sure how much it costs, but I enjoyed it. The longevity, I don't know. And also the boss, because I only did one run, uh, which took me maybe 30 to 40 minutes and got to the first or got to the boss of the first act, which may vary depending on each run, uh, like with Slay the Spire. Uh, I'm not sure. But the boss seemed like a way too big of a jump in terms of difficulty because it just sent like three status effects at me after every single shot and it just destroyed me because I'm pretty sure I, I may be remembering it a little bit wrong I'm pretty sure I went into that fight with almost full health and then when it started before I even got off my first shot I was like I'm like at half health already. What is going on? He's just sending me all these status effects. Like, it poisoned me. He did this to me and this and other thing. I'm like, what the fuck? And I just got, I didn't have a chance at all. It was embarrassing and frustrating and annoying. And I did not appreciate that. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, I, I'm, you know, that that didn't make me, say, F this game, I'm done with it. It made me want to come back and show that boss who was the real boss uh, next time. Then uh, I played a little bit of House Flipper, which I think is from the same people who made Thief Simulator. And you're just, you're going through houses. You got a little broom that you can upgrade to like more of a big broom or whatever. You can upgrade your equipment. And the broom is a magic broom that can just clean every, clean any kind of, splotchy thing that is on the ceiling or the walls or the floor without any kind of solution you dispose of garbage by just pressing a button you don't have to like carry it into a dumpster or anything which is nice it's very streamlined in that sense you can move furniture around if you want it seemed like that didn't really do anything to uh, a building's saleability and yeah it's a game I could Potentially see playing while listening to a podcast as is very mindless and uh, full of tedium where you're just going through a house. You're just clicking buttons on a bunch of shit in there and maybe it'll be missing a radiator. So you'll put in a radiator and you have to hook it up. And by hooking it up, you just place it there and then you hold the button over the screws to screw them in. It's just like, oh, okay. Uh, it's... It's not a very exciting game, and I would not go out of my way to play it 
You know, there's nothing like funny about it either. It's not like, oh, I bet this would be a fun game to stream or anything. It's just like, no, nothing funny about it. Nothing exciting about it. It's a house flipping game with no charm or personality. So Call of Duty Warzone played a little bit of this. And by little bit, I mean, I played one match. I got two kills. I almost killed an entire squad by myself. And the thing is, so currently there is only squads in it. And unlike Apex, I don't think Warzone does a really good job of incentivizing players to work together. It does have its own ping system, which is good to some extent. But I I feel like in the one game I played that my teammates really didn't utilize it. And regardless of whether I'd ping something or whether action was heard somewhere or whatever, that my fellow teammates never grouped together to take on an enemy or anything. Like everyone just kept doing their own thing. And that was a little bit frustrating. The world is, it's hard not to compare it to Apex Legends, but I, I find the world to be incredibly boring in comparison um like it's just that it's it's a more grounded area that you know exists in our world basically whereas apex is this fantastical place that has a lot of variation in terrain and more verticality and it's just it's open to more strategies and play styles, whereas this just feels like guess like I, I I don't even want to say that it just feels like Call of Duty, but a battle royale game, because that's the obvious thing to say. But also, I haven't played Call of Duty seriously in years, so how, how the hell would I know that for sure? But it, one thing I'll say is that it's one hundred percent immediately way more compelling and interesting and enjoyable than blackout i wanted to get in blackout i played the bait i was like this seems okay then i bought the i think i bought the like whatever hundred dollar version because every year i buy the hundred dollar version of call of duty because my dad loves call of duty and i knew that it was probably not a good idea to buy black ops 4 given that my father loves more than anything the the uh, the campaign he also enjoys we, we, we would play the multiplayer with bots and stuff like that and he had fun with that but his first love is the campaign and I was like should I buy Blackout and long story short I should not have bought Blackout because I didn't really play much of it or Black Ops 4 I didn't play all that much of it and that's what kept me from buying um, World War is it World War 2? No, Modern Warfare. World War II is before Black Ops 4. But eventually got a copy of Modern Warfare. Thank you. And uh, it's probably my father's favorite Call of Duty game to date, which is just it made me so happy when to hear that. Like he was, I've never seen my father talk about a game as excited as he talked about Modern Warfare, the new one. He just, he had so much fun with it. He was not without frustrations, but like, 
like the thing about Call of Duty, like why I, I love this series so much is because the campaigns are so accessible. My dad is not an expert gamer. He struggles with a lot of things. He needs direction. He needs that linearity. And Call of Duty gives him that. It, it is such an accessible series. And people like to shit on shit on it. But I think Call of Duty is one of the best series in gaming because of that. Because non quote unquote non gamers, not non regular gamers, can play them, get through them, and enjoy the hell out of them. Uh, I appreciate that so much because my my father loves games, you know. But it's just hard for him to get through a lot of them. But he is he has completed almost every Call of Duty game, which is crazy when I think about it. Just the fact that he's done that. Uh, he, I think at this point he's beaten more Call of Duty games than me because I still haven't played through World War II or Modern Warfare or Black Ops 3. But I don't think I don't think he did Black Ops 3. I think that's what, the one he's missing of all of them. And yeah, I, I messed around with a few bits of Modern Warfare because when I bought him an Xbox One X, for call it for for Modern Warfare, so that he could really appreciate the visual and all that, and for future games as well. Um, the cloud dev, I guess, wasn't updated when I transitioned the consoles, so we lost a fair amount of progress. And it's like, oh, I don't want to do all this again. So I play through it for him. And when I was doing that, I was like, Dang. like there there was a section where spoilers, you're playing as this uh, female character when she's younger uh, and this like big uh, dude, military dude, whatever breaks into her home and is after her and her brother, I think. And you have to hide from him and collect like little objects on the ground to stab him three or so times before initiating a cutscene and interact a, or like a quick time event. And when I was playing that, I'm like, I can't believe my father got through this. But, you know, Call of Duty just, it, it knows what it's doing. And people need to appreciate that more than they do. I think Call of Duty is a very special series. But, um, yeah, Warzone is a game I'll definitely put some more time into. But I already can tell it's not going to take away from Apex Legends for me. If I want to play a Battle Royale game, Apex Legends is still going to be the one. And if I'm not going to play Apex, I'm still more interested in going back to PUBG than any of these other ones. Because PUBG is a much slower game, much more tense game, and Warzone is super fast-paced. Um, the, the, the whole POW thing is kind of weird and how they're gamifying this whole thing and making it a spectacle where you have the two people in the arena or whatever fighting it out and other people are watching them and like cheering it on. And it's just like, this is kind of weird. But in, as a gameplay mechanic, uh, it's super cool. So I am torn when it comes to that. I'm like, this is kind of weird to just be like, hey, look at that. Now you're, now you're a POW. And we're going to make you a fight to the death. And if you win, we're going to send you back out to die again. It's like, oh, 
okay. But in, in terms of just like ignoring all that, it's super fucking cool. Um, so yeah, that's Warzone. Then uh, La Mulana and La Mulana 2 are two, from what I, I, I gathered, pretty beloved games that have received a re-release and maybe they, they may have received a, a visual uh, spicing up <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. Because um, I think they initially came out for the first time in like... I, my knowledge of the La Mulana games is very limited, uh, but I think they came out initially on the PC, not in the States, and were meant to mimic MSX games. And then you could get the first one on the Wii shop, and then a sequel was made, or was our, I, I don't know the history of it, but they are old school, you know, retro ass games that are uh, Metroidvania in their design. And I wasn't really grabbed by either of them. I found the second one more enjoyable, but in both instances, I didn't find anything about either that grabbed me and said, you should play this over other similar games. Visually, they don't look terrible, but it's not like they look incredible. Um, mechanically, I really, I, I don't like the jump because the way it works is that if you're moving in a direction and you hit the jump button, you will jump in that direction. But if you jump straight up without pressing a direction, and then immediately once you, after you, you initiated the jump, press the direction, your character won't move in that direction until they hit the apex of the jump and then start their their downfall. Um, yeah. And I found that to feel really, really weird, and I I didn't like it. It was it was really off putting. Just that jump, like that may be something that is in a lot of game. I don't know, but it was super noticeable for me in La Mulana. But then exploring the dungeons or the the caverns i was just like eh, okay I'm, I'm killing some bats i'm killing these other things i'm like huh i don't really i don't care all that much i will go back to them and give them more time but my initial impression is why why play this over other games that are similar that that is my my real question what 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 is it about la mulana that is better than the competition i'd love to know I, I i would love to find out for myself but uh so far i haven't found anything out that would lead me to want to play more but I'll, I'll play a little bit more probably of i don't know is it weird if i just go to la milana 2 uh who knows then the last game i played is mx nitro unleashed which i Thing came out on PC three years ago and has now made its way to consoles, at least Xbox One. Uh, maybe it came out on the other consoles earlier than that, or maybe Switch earlier than that. I don't know. Um, and it is a trials game, but uh, it has more of an emphasis on tricks. And you got your little boost mechanic that you build up by doing tricks, which allows you to 
get over certain gaps. So there's a strategic element to the boosting as well, and the, and therefore the the trick system. And it's pretty good. I really liked it. Um, mechanically, it feels good. It looks good. I like the trick. Uh, I like the nitro system and, and its strategic use. The trick system can be a little weird in the buttons that are required to be pressed at the same time that are not intuitive for some of the tricks. Uh, and I've only dabbled in it. I still need to play a lot more. But I've liked what I've played so far. They claim that the campaign is like f- over 40 hours, which I don't know how they get to that number. Like I, I haven't completed the campaign by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just looking at it like, how is there 40 hours of content here? Uh, that like Even if there genuinely is 40 plus hours of content in the campaign alone, I'm like, I I don't want 40 hours of content in a Trials-like game. That's too much. Um, but I'll, I'll see how true that is. Um, but yeah, if you're... Looking for a Trials-ass game. MX Unleashed is pretty good. And I guess there was some issues at, at launch with achievements not working and stuff like that. No problem there anymore. I, I unlocked a few achievements. So that seems to be all fine and hunkadory and what do, what's your story? Uh, but yeah, MX Nitro Unleashed. Old game. Finally making its way to consoles. But it, it doesn't look super old. It, look, it looks pretty good. I like it. Uh, you can customize your rider and your, your bike and stuff like that. Um, and it feels good. I I dig it. And the the difference, I think you could do this in one or maybe multiple of the Trials games. It's been so long since I really do, uh, dove in and into any of those games. But part of what is a little bit different is that you're often racing against other players i think it's usually two other racers and then you also have boss fights against one other driver uh so it's not just you trying to get the best time for yourself and also against like a leaderboard you're also competing against other ai racers so you have to keep that in mind as well but uh yeah i i like what i've played so far uh but uh yeah, that, that's pretty much it in terms of what I've been playing and all that jazz. I played a few more things that I did a video for. You can check out on the YouTubes, which I'll plug shortly. But uh, yeah, haven't watched anything yet. I got a few movies that I, I want to watch. I just need to be in the right mood for, like Uncut Gems. I'm super excited to watch that, but I, I know that is not going to be the easiest, most pleasant experience. So... I have to prepare for that. But uh, there's also Jojo Rabbit and what is it? Something else that I need to check out. Um, But uh, yeah, all I've really been watching when I exercise in the morning is the Nickelodeon Ninja Turtle show. Not the one that is currently going on, but the one that was prior to that, uh, which uh, is a very delightful little series. I really, really like it. Um, Yeah, that will do it for this here rambly longer than expected episode of the pixelated sausage podcast once again i am your host marcus nez y'all can find me on the 
Twitters, and pretty much everywhere at PX Saucers. The site is, of course, pixelatedsaucers.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, and other such jazz. Uh, what am I? See, this is too long. I don't even know what's going on anymore. You can find those podcasts on podcast services across the globe, like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. If you'd like to check out the video version of Attack the Backlog or other videos, like some video reviews, some indie games roundups, and what have you, you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage. If you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go over to pxsart.com if you see something you like. Click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and an absolutely lovely weekend. Also, the anime podcast might be happening really soon because my one buddy he finally ordered himself a microphone so unless he returns it immediately he's like oh this is a horrible decision or unless he bought it and never told me that he actually talks to some other people and he started his own show with other people then none of that's happening but the anime podcast may be actually for real this time coming out so uh yeah that is actually the end of the episode so again Wonderful rest of your day. Lovely, lovely weekend.